0: we Welcome back to the Michigan Insider here on Sports Talk 1050, WTK The Ticket. We are online at WTK.com. We are also live now on Ticket TV for the MGo Blog Roundtable. Seth Fisher, Brian Cook, Craig Ross. Good morning, fellas. How are you? Good
1: morning. Good. good.
0: Awesome. Let's jump right into it. Michigan wins the Big Ten Championship. As Bakes and I were talking uh, in the last segment, uh, this is about as good a two-year run as most of us have ever experienced in our lifetime. So let's talk about the Big Ten Championship game before we move on to the playoff and beyond. Uh, so, Seth, we'll start with you. What you uh, your big takeaways as Michigan kind of? Well, look, to me, kind of like the way Michigan's laid the blueprint out all season. Kind of a close first half, and then put the pedal to the metal in the second half and uh, exert your will over a team, and Michigan goes on to the victory over Purdue.
2: I, I thought it was interesting that Purdue seemed very prepared for Michigan, almost like they identified who was going to win the... who was going to be their opponent if they got into the Big Ten Championship and practiced specifically for that team. Because they had some... um they had some really cool ideas to like go against Michigan's power running game, especially with like the shifting their line over uh, late and like figuring out when Michigan's snap is. Because what happens, you sh- you shift your line like that real quick, and then the offensive line will just be like, oh, that guy's there, that guy's there, and then they just shift with their how they're going to block, and then they hit. Yeah, the but that didn't
1: ball. really that didn't really work because you you go and you look at those plays, and what happens is that when Michigan has a free hitter in the box, that guy's able to apply himself. Mm-hmm. Uh But the blocks all get made. So the, when Purdue's plus one in the box, because McCarthy keeps, I think, once in this game, yeah. Like the yeah. common thread from, I think, the last three weeks is what you see in the ground game is that sometimes when the opposition's plus one in the box, they're able to hold the ground game down but you don't see guys in the backfield very much you don't see blocks being defeated very much what what you see is is michigan running the plays that they're running all the time and then it's just a matter of is this like tactically correct Did michigan put someone in the wrong spot or did a running back make someone miss or did they occupy someone with jj mccarthy and so on both of Donovan Edwards' long runs, he makes someone miss the line of scrimmage. And the first one is like, okay, that's a cornerback and he's in a lot of space. So that's that's a win, I think, for Michigan. And then the second one is more of a, a blocking thing because they, Purdue has a scrape exchange on. And so someone's shooting inside of the kickout block and he just has too much space to shut down. Mm-hmm. So Zinter and, and Barnhart just clear out the entire side and this guy's coming down and he's like, oh, I got to plug this gap. And then all of a sudden Donovan Edwards is running outside of him. So I'm a little frustrated by sort of the ground game, not doing what it did against I- Iowa. <laughs> like just in terms of, uh, I got used to this, like this was, this is what I liked. Uh, but you can see the compensations in the big plays that Michigan's hitting now, because when you get more aggressive and then you get wrong, it, it, it's it's a big it's a big deal. Yeah. And so we're seeing less bend and don't break from opposing teams, because Michigan has proven that that just doesn't really work.
2: Well, so what they were doing, I think, is oh, when it. they were doing those shifts, nice. they were kind of filling in the guy with they were using they're filling in the spot they would leave with an extra hitter. What Michigan I think yeah. like, started doing was identifying where that extra hitter was, and you talk about like he gets delivered to a cornerback, and it's like, okay, well that's that's a win, even if that cornerback in Michigan's offense against Penn State or Ohio State, that guy is nowhere near the play because he's freaking out about JJ McCarthy.
1: Right, and so I mean, we just have the one McCarthy run, and I mean they're in a conference championship game, and they got a month, but they I think they just feel so beat up, right? Mm-hmm. Like they've got. Multiple guys out of the lineup, and Edwards is dinged up, and Quorum's out. And I think that they just looked at this game and they're like, We don't need to risk JJ, and so they don't. And then they're able to get Donovan Edwards 180 yards anyway. And then I think the other story from this game is that McCarthy is making the kind of throws that you need him to make to beat Georgia. Like he has those two drops in the bucket right over linebackers in zone. He has, I mean, you go to the Box score and he's got 17 attempts in this game, and you're like, I can't believe that, because it just felt like he was dominating this game. Like he has the back shoulder to Colston Loveland, which is a throw that we just don't see Michigan even attempt. Like we've been complaining about the fact that they don't really even bother with you know contested catches, and maybe that's because they didn't feel they had a guy like Colston Loveland who was going to make that a plus EV move. So you know. He didn't do a whole lot in this game, but the things that he did displayed that NFL upside. Displayed the kind of stuff that when you go up against Keely Ringo and the rest of Georgia's defense, you're going the plays you're going to have to make against that team.
3: Yeah, I I kind of agree with both of you in slightly different. I mean, I think you're may, perhaps both saying the same thing, albeit in slightly different ways. Yeah. The. It's uh, not a disagreement. Right, and uh, that I I was surprised that Purdue seemed so well prepared for Michigan when it was difficult to believe they would actually think they were going to be in this game in the first place, but yet they they did seem prepared, and I think the shifting you saw from the defensive tackles and then bringing, uh, bringing guys down from various places did cause Michigan some difficulty, but Brian's of course right, is that it also led to very big plays, a lot like uh, what's happened in other games when teams gambled at the line of scrimmage this year. Uh so both are true. I, I'd like to speak generally though to Purdue uh playing really well, I thought on offense. And O'Connell, I thought, had a terrific game. I thought their wide receiver, uh what were they calling him? Charlie Sizzle or Chuck Sizzle. Chuck whatever. Sizzle. Chuck Sizzle what well, was really good. And, and their running back uh, was pretty good too. All those guys were walk-ons and, and, and they, they really were good. And I thought O'Connell threw the ball probably better than anyone has thrown it against us all year long. And uh, you know, we had some trouble. Uh, We had trouble tackling early uh, although that seemed to rectify as the game went along. And I thought in our zone, when we played zone, we seemed to have people in the same spot now and again. Uh, And so there were gaps in the zone. Uh, I felt like as we played a little more man as the game went along, it got somewhat somewhat better. But I think Purdue deserves a lot of credit. Brahm called a really had some very interesting stuff in the game, particularly the fake flea flicker. And I must have asked 20 people this week. Have you ever seen that? No, nobody that I talked to it. I think Borges might've said to Sam that he had never seen. They ran it before,
2: didn't they?
1: They ran it.
3: They ran Not it in really. 2017. Yeah. Okay. I didn't remember it. Okay. So,
1: I mean, it's five years ago, and I don't think anybody remembers one Purdue trick play from Pfizer. Five years <laughs> yeah. ago. Okay. But one person on the internet found it. So, Is that right? Okay.
3: Yeah. But it was a cool play, you have to admit. I think it, it yeah, was yeah. something that, it, and I suspect that you're going to see more teams do it in the bowl games that uh, people like to imitate. But I was impressed with Purdue. I was impressed. Uh, with what Brom did, and now he's at Louisville. And uh, ha- has Purdue hired a coach yet, or is that just... No, it's just getting underway. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, it happened uh, to them yesterday, right? Uh,
0: yeah.
1: So okay. is that a landing uh, spot for Jim Leonard? Maybe. I was wondering, Jim wondering Jim maybe. On the
0: list. There, there are a lot of names on this oh, list, but Jim yeah. Leonard's name is definitely one that's come up. How
2: yeah. funny would it be if Wisconsin just gets, ends up getting beat every single year by, by their former coaches? <laughs>
3: I, I would kind of like that. But I mean, or at least when Leonard's I think case. Fickle's going to have some
2: success yeah. there, but he's bringing in a spread. Yeah. Um he's bringing in the the guy from North Carolina who's a spread dude. Well, that's, well, that's uh,
3: obviously what the what direction they're going. I mean, Fickle I, has been a defensive guy, I think primarily, and so I think he's going to have his fingers on the defense there, but that uh he's turning o- turning over a different Wisconsin. My guess is the fans will like it at Wisconsin. At least going into the season, they'll like it. It's
0: all right, That's the Big Ten West. Uh, we can get back to that a little bit later on. But Michigan wins the, B- the, uh, the Big Ten Championship game. They're 13-0 for the first time ever in program history, which in itself is uh, quite fun to say. But two more games hopefully left to play. The playoff has been announced. I assume we're all kind of all locked up at this point in time that everybody agrees that. I mean, they had Ohio State backdoored in, but that the playoff committee still got the playoff format, the the four teams in it right. Yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, I think everyone agrees. <sighs> I mean, I didn't hear anyone who said that Ohio State shouldn't be the four seed. I didn't I, see. Wait, I I do. Oh, I mean, really?
1: Go ahead. Yeah, they should have put anybody else in. <laughs> you can't Not get Alabama. trucked by. Anybody else but Alabama. You can't get trucked by 22 in your final game and make the college football playoff. It should have been Utah. They got a conference championship. And you know what happened when they, you know, played USC, they beat them twice. So that's two more victories over USC than Ohio state has. They should have been in the, I mean, come on. They got, I
2: got quarterbacks got cool hair. You know, I, it should be in the playoff. I've long advocated for the postseason in college football to just, to have lots of different options. And everyone yells at me whenever I bring this up. But, like, the BCS era was not great. But sometimes you did have an FSU and a Virginia Tech who were undefeated. And like that's all you want is those two teams to play each other, right? Like, this year is a perfect year for the BCS. You got two undefeated teams. They should just play each other. So this is what I've been advocating for forever. Just have a system that can sh- that you know have different systems sometimes you have a 6 team playoff sometimes you could even have a 12 team playoff i know that they're going to do that anyway but like they, they there are ways to just take the, the the year you have and say okay we have these different systems this is the way to do it well, there's a different system when there's 3 teams that are worthy of it there's a different system when there's 4 teams that are worthy of it this year it's just you've got 2 teams worthy of being there TCU Might have been a third, but they lost their uh, championship game. I think the best thing they could have done is probably just have everyone play their bowl games and then have Michigan and Georgia play afterwards. Yeah, I mean
1: that's completely unrealistic, though, right?
2: Well, well, I'm not sure it's unrealistic. Yes, it is completely unrealistic. It sounds like a good. It's the best idea I've heard. We (laughs) got all the all the all the systems we've had. We've had the bowl system. We've had the bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
1: Okay, let's, let's look at it from a money perspective. Does that make more money? No, it's unrealistic. No, it's unrealistic.
2: So it's unrealistic. All right, You're it's not that's
0: not happening. Problem. But, right. but, <laughs> your, but your point stands, yeah, I've okay. made this point for years, which is at, when you get to the end of conference championship week, you know exactly how many teams are really playing for a national championship. And the num- number is never more than like three or four. Usually it's two. Like this year, it's two there usually aren't more than three or four. So I don't know. What was the last time we had more than four teams at the end of the year that we were actually having that conversation go, oh, that fifth ranked team should be uh, in the conversation. It's well, very rare.
1: No, I mean, there was there was that year where like TCU got left out for Ohio State. And I was mm-hmm. like, very controversial. And I think Baylor was also up there. So there were a couple of years where it's six. And when you expand to 12 teams, then all of a sudden these distinctions matter more. And so right right now it feels like, okay, what's Michigan's reward? for being clearly one of the top two teams, uh, not really anything, because you're going to a bowl game in Phoenix instead of you know having either a home game in the first round or a bye. Now, if Michigan's reward for being the number two team in the country in a 12-team playoff is they get a bye and then hopefully down the road, a home game in the quarterfinal, then that actually feels like a significant win in a way that, current the current system is is real flat it's like top four is basically all the same and then five gets nothing and so uh, that's why i've always supported actually a six-team playoff with home games but i'll take 12.
0: Cameron Warren did say yesterday at the SPJ, whatever conference down in Vegas, that he's now uh, he's warmed up to the idea of the semi the quarterfinals being on campuses, which the commissioner of the Big Ten should never have been against quarterfinals being on campuses because five through eight will get the home games. But one through four, should get that home reward too in the quarterfinals. Get that advantage that you talk about, Brian.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that the only reason that you would argue against that is if you're a soft batch football program like Ohio State and you're worried about <laughs> weather in January. Well, gotta (laughs) I mean that's insane to me that you would not want to play Alabama in the shoe. I I mean, but I mean they've been talking about having a playoff game in a in a dome somewhere. So I mean that's the state of their program right now where it's like they're scared to play outdoors when it's cold. (laughs) I got I got some bad news about meteorology. (laughs) Uh, Um but, yeah, it, it is completely insane. And, honestly, I would like the semis to be on campus, too. And then the, the final should just be at the Rose Bowl.
3: I mean, I agree. The semis should be on campus this year. And, you know, and Georgia kind of has that, or at least they've got a quasi-home game. Michigan's travel situation isn't ideal. They go out to Glendale, and then t- whatever it is, nine or ten days later, they play it in L.A., uh, if, if that's how it works out. It feels less How do you go less to LA and not play
2: in the Rose Bowl I, this, and then you're, yeah, this that's, what, uh, that's uh, this the other this thing. thing they that's, killed yeah. the bowls already and like you mm. know when you Brian says like oh your system's not gonna make money or we got to go to a 12- team playoff one of the reasons we have to go to the 12 team playoff right now is because no one wants to go to the Rose Bowl Brian just said number five gets nothing number five gets to go <sighs> to the Rose Bowl and no one wants to go to that anymore they killed the bowl games by having the the, the playoff system said okay this matters and then everyone like you. Want, people even want to play in the Peach Bowl right? If you don't make the playoffs it's over and it killed a system that was actually really good and now they're playing it in an NFL stadium in the same I, mean, I, I don't, in the same I don't really know area. if
1: the old bowl system like yeah the Rose Bowl is cool but like do I prefer a 12 team playoff to the old bowl system? Yes I do like <clears throat> gives much more meaning to the games. And I mean, honestly, what I would honestly, what I would have liked to see is that I would like to see the bowl season stay as is and then have a 12 team playoff after that. Sure. Because then then those bowl games have a lot of meaning. But, you know,
0: I think what we need to acknowledge is that for a very long period of time, it was explained. It was told to us how important these bowl games were. And they've always been exhibitions. Yeah, going to the Rose Bowl is cool to reward for the team and the fans, but it's always been exhibitions. The playoff has just put that out into the spotlight, but they've always been exhibitions. But half teams le- except got one, two, or three season. games, right? For the top one, two, or three teams that are playing for a national championship, everybody else is playing an exhibition game.
2: Half the well, teams but it, got it, it's, to end the it, year on a win. The kids right. got to go for Maybe a for trip year. to a warm place, and then half the teams get to, go, get to end the, the season with a win. Whereas a playoff, Everyone but the champion is a, it ends on a loss. I don't. So uh, what? I, so what? I, it's great for sport. it's great for basketball, but like you don't have that many games in college football. Yes, if you could add uh, a playoff to
3: the to the yeah, old You holders, sound older than great. Craig right now. Well, I was gonna even be older than Seth, and that is, I don't even really care about this playoff system at all. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they could go back to the bowl system and have mythical national champions, because to me, A, mythical national champions are no better or worse than the current system, and B, it gives people stuff to argue about. I mean, was 1997... You know, what what remains indelible to me is that Nebraska somehow still thinks they were national champions. I love the fact that they can retain that delusion. And uh, and so I, you know, so what? I mean, the problem was at the end of the winning is
2: you'd have two undefeated teams. You have like, you know, undefeated uh, teams in 94. You have two undefeated teams in 97. You have two Mm -hmm. undefeated teams that they want to play. They had a bowl system. All the other bowls were part of it, and the Rose Bowl was like, no, we got a good thing going. All they needed to do was figure out a system to say, look, when we have a system, we have a situation like this. I'm sorry, Washington State. You got to step aside. Nebraska's coming to the Rose Bowl. That's all they had to figure out, and they they couldn't figure out that system without that's
1: literally that's literally what the BCS was
2: that's what the BCS they was added, supposed to be that's, they, the BCS, they, they, they added, added the
1: Rose Bowl but no no the they BCS added the Rose was Bowl after, were always
2: going to have a two team playoff the BCS uh-huh. was always a two team playoff it wasn't a when we have a situation like this that's what uh, we do it was we are stuck with a two team playoff that's all
3: it was all right, I, I gotta log off. You guys are too old to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I will- you know what else? They should eliminate offsides in soccer. Craig Ross <laughs> Zol- <laughs> <laughs> is a little bit Play.
0: Thank you, uh, Randy and Jason. All right, we will shift gears away from the playoff uh, as a lot of other things are going on in the world of college football. So let's jump into the portal conversation. Michigan has lost a couple guys to the portal. And they've already brought one guy in from the portal. Let's start with the guys, uh, Brian, that are leaving. uh, That maybe didn't leave so quietly in Eric All and Cade McNamara, two captains that are leaving via the portal. Cade to Iowa, and Eric All is actually visiting Iowa today.
1: Well, I mean, I just if you're Cade McNamara, I don't know why you would burn all that goodwill. Like you, you had an opportunity to like, yeah, go to Iowa, be Jake Rudock over there, and then Michigan. Like you have a lot of you have a lot of Happy people who really appreciate what you were doing for this university, and then you kind of go on this—I uh, don't know—pity party on a podcast, which I am not going to listen to all of, but I've seen highlights, and it's just like, dude, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> I just don't understand. But I mean, all's a big loss. Like, he's—he's he's an excellent tight end, and Michigan uses lots of tight ends, and so that's a big hit to depth, especially with Schoonmaker headed to the NFL. Um, I don't really know if there's anything that Michigan could have done about that, because if you're so determined to get back surgery that you're on some sketchy strip mall, like back thing in Florida's website as a testimonial, then, I mean, clearly there's, you're at odds with the Michigan Medical Department. And like, I mean, (laughs) at that point, you've really broken the trust of the program and then you can't be upset when they are like, what, I mean, (laughs) What, what are we supposed to do here? We yeah. gave you medical advice and you didn't. You didn't accept it, and then you went and got surgery from Doctor Nick. Like, <laughs> and it, like, I guess. I guess things happen. And uh, but anyone talking about the culture of the program, I mean, programs with bad cultures don't have this happen. You know, they don't have back-to-back Big Ten titles, right? And Michigan lost very few people in the portal last year. They're gonna, not going to lose that many this year. They've already brought in an excellent offensive tackle, probably, I imagine, if they keep the guards. And they're looking for a couple more guys. So it feels like, yeah, i, I a little disappointed in the way that these captains left the university, but you know, good luck to them. They will should mention
0: uh, Lewis Hansen also in the portal, so Michigan's lost three in the portal. But, yeah, but Lewis oh Hansen
1: is like a I, very, I, 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 a I very to typical. My Max
2: Fredison, I just wanted
1: and to get my yeah. number
0: to be accurate, that's all.
1: Yeah, that's that's like you're you're like fifth string and like one of the guys in front of you is younger than you. That's yeah. that's a very typical departure. One's one um, to walk
2: on from your class.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah, the 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 cade thing is mystifying. You would think that Cade is a smart guy. And, and if I had been him, I would say I would go talk to Dave Abloff and figure out how I should, you know, how I should do this. And it isn't complicated. What he should have said was, you know, had a great year last year as quarterback for Michigan, you know, the handwriting was on the wall for me that JJ had, you know, was, was going to be the quarterback here and I want to play. You know, I love the university. I love the opportunities I had, but I'm, i i really want to play, and I want to play at a place that sort of fits my my skills. How hard would that be? It's hard. You know, it's harder than you th- think. Th- no, no, no. I, I totally disagree with this because these
2: guys are look. These guys are trying to get to the NFL. These guys are trying to fine. have the story be about how they're great players. You don't want to say I didn't. I wasn't able to play. If in Eric All's case, I don't know what's going on, but to me, it sounds like there was not a there. There was a chance that he wasn't going to be able to be himself anyway. Like we're we're talking about losing Eric All because we were expecting this guy to you know step back in again and be a great starter again. If he's getting this back surgery from Florida, maybe the alternative was you're going to have back problems and you're not going to be the same player you were. But they can't say that, and the program's not going to go say that about these guys either. No one, well, they Kate McNear is not going to accept. Oh. I got beat out by J.J. McCarthy, and after I won a Big Ten title, and I, you know, I'm just a game manager who has to go to game manager. You, he's not going to. He's going to say, literally, I'm going to go prove I'm not a game manager because he's a player. He wants to go play in the NFL.
3: Well, he can he can say that and still be gracious out the way on the way out the door. Other people have managed to do that somehow, and yeah, and, sure, and but and I, the, I'm
2: not going to knock a kid man. for how you know how well his press conference went. If that is so low on the things that I care about. Everyone knows well, what happened. J.J. What McCarthy yeah. happened. End of story. Right. Yeah,
1: I mean, it, he seemed pretty unrealistic about what happened there. He's like, well, I never really had a chance to win the job. It's like, dude, did you watch Michigan's? You played in them. Did you watch those games? Like, nobody in their right mind would have kept you as the starter after that. Nobody. and. Yeah. That's correct. And like, to, to, I mean, I guess these guys got to believe in themselves, but you also got to have like a reality check there, right? Like Michigan goes 13-0. and They beat Ohio State. J.J. McCarthy goes absolutely ham in that game. And even after all that, you're not like, well, you know, tip of the cap. He didn't even name him. He refused to say J.J. McCarthy's
3: name. Like, what is that? That is like some third grade stuff exactly so exactly my opinion it was third grade stuff and and it was churlish inelegant and just plain stupid and and that's just what it is and i feel badly for him and i feel badly about it but it's what it's what it is in terms of eric all michigan's very limited on what they can say because of hipaa and obviously what happened is they felt like a certain course of treatment was justified and and their uh, medicine staff did not think uh, a surgery at a strip mall in Florida was justified. I assume, my guess is, that Michigan didn't pay for that. Eric also said
0: was- on social media that Michigan did pay for it. Oh, they it was did I last night, uh, but it oh. was a post on a uh, conversation he had with, I think it was mm-hmm. on Instagram or something, and, but he said that Michigan did pay for it.
3: Good for, for Michigan then, even though it's cl- pretty clear that seemingly that, <clears throat> that Michigan was not in favor of, of, of this particular uh, surgery. So not, I, I wish him well. I hope, I hope both those guys do well, actually, but I, I felt that it was clumsy on their parts and self-destructive. I mean,
0: all right, guys. All I want to get back. And, oh, go ahead, Craig, uh, Seth. Before we I get back to the this changes, thing.
3: is whether I'm going to be like rooting
2: for Iowa next year because those guys are there. Yeah. Okay, like you're inelegant on the way out. Fine, I'm not going to go. You know, keep following yeah. your career and being super excited. They're Michigan alumni. They they won the Big Ten for us last year. Like yeah, they have. Correct. They have lots of room to be jerks on the way out before I can really care about it. I, I know that, this, that we're talking about it this week because the scenario and like, okay, we don't want Michigan being trashed or whatever, but like, I, I can't get myself to care. They're, they're great players for us, and I
3: wish them well. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I agree with that. I just feel, felt like they could have done a lot better.
0: All right, guys, we're going to step aside, take a break on the radio here. We'll obviously still be on Ticket TV, but we're going to get into a little bit more on the Big Ten West coaches. Also, a little Michigan hoops and hockey on this side of the break as Michigan hockey is killing it on the recruiting trail. So we'll get to that next year on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050. WTK, the ticket. Oh, clear. And I guess the TCU matchup as well. But we can uh, obviously get into that more in the next yeah, couple we of weeks as well as time to yeah. uh, talk about that.
3: I like, incidentally, you're talking about the tight end uh, depth chart, aside from the kid at uh, Cal Poly, who I think they have a good chance at, uh, Cuevas, I think his name is, they, they've they got this Deacon Tonelli kid coming in who, look uh, you know, the little bit I looked at him, it looks pretty good. I mean, he's a similar kind, looks similar to Loveland. And uh, also they've got, I don't know what the story is with his name, the kid from Germany. Um, Marlon Klein. Marlon, he's Klein, probably two years away. Pro- he's probably like a two-year project. Excellent. Yeah, he's okay. like, he's
2: kind of a Zach Gentry. So they're okay. gonna have to they're gonna work on him for a little bit, get him bulked up, and then he'll be like a a fast guy mm-hmm. who's super big. Um, you know, they it's it's funny that Michigan fans are like freaking out because like, oh no, look at how many tight ends we're losing, and we're we have Colston Loveland going into his true sophomore year. You have Dude. Max Bredesen going into his redshirt sophomore year, and you know, like, this program it,
3: they they never miss on tight ends. So you know Hibner was a was a at least a high recruit. Yeah. And and, and they'll bring another tight end aside from Tanelli, they'll probably bring another tight end. Yeah, and end like runs. how do you replace Joel Hunnickford? Well, you've got all these extra
2: tackles, you know, slap a number ninety on one of them, they can do the same thing Hunterford did. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they can use that uh, seven offensive lineman two tight end formation again. Well, he needed two I mean, tight ends, that's basically end what he
2: was. He just—I mean—they, you notice they didn't do the six o so l well very much this year, except for uh, against Purdue they had um, Al <laughs> Hadi lining up as a fullback, which <laughs> that was cool. But um, you know, they—they they didn't do a whole lot of extra offensive linemen this year because you know they had Joel Honigford. That's basically what his job was. That how many
3: times did they pass to him in the last two years? Once. Yeah, I remember one, maybe twice. The you know, what did you think of the uh ex, the two-point play with when they have the the center is an eligible. I, I think th- he's eligible. That's the
2: that's the subject of the Seth and Matt show this week cuz uh, awesome. everyone else is taking all the good cuz Devin Gardner's like I'm going to show you everything JJ McCarthy JJ McCarthy throws yeah. in this game. I'm like, well, that didn't leave me a lot on offense. But um so Michigan's playing with the, you know, with the, the systems of like what's legal, right? So you're allowed to snap it from yeah. anybody on the off on the sure. line, including the yeah. the guy who's eligible. So they snap it with a yeah. tight end, and Purdue's like, aha, aha, we got it, we know it. We they so they cover the tight end, and they forget to cover the other tight end who's in the yeah. backfield. So they double right. the one guy that the trick right. play is supposed to get open, and then they just leave the tight end behind him open. So it's like, okay, flip, touched it, no, uh, two points.
3: Uh, yeah, that's an old single wing thing. I know in back in the in the single wing days, they would snap the ball from anywhere. In fact, when before there were uh, hash marks, you, you you had to snap if the ball went out of bounds, you had to snap the ball from a foot from the boundary from the out of bounds mark. And so they always would have an uh, an end. You're, uh, snapping, you're just trying to reclaim the, the oldest man on the podcast after, after <laughs> after Brian tried after to get
2: the a- award, you're like, I remember when they used to snap <laughs> it from the town next door. And then all the other English towns would be fighting over the same ball.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, in any event, that's an old single wing thing. I, I, I thought it was great. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was kind of a,
2: like, let's empty the playbook time of the year, right? Yeah. You're not, Probably not using that in the
3: playoffs. I, I, well, I wonder if it's something that you know. Since it wasn't obvious that going for two, two there was maybe it is to you guys, but to me it wasn't obvious that was the right choice. But the uh, it made me wonder if he was just trying to a use something they practiced on, or b put something on tape, and they've got some variation on the theme on, on the theme going forward.
2: I just I just want to credit so. Purdue fans for not like going all Sparty after that. Because, like, if they put it, if they ran that play to go up 17 on Michigan yeah. State with nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, you know that fan base would have just been, like, screaming, and probably Ohio State, too, screaming, how are you doing? It's already, a, the game's already over. Why are you going for two? You have no, uh. and, like, Purdue fans are like, just, no, That's not,
1: that's, I don't think that's accurate. Like, what? you're up two scores with seven minutes left. That's a That's a material impact on the game. It's not running the score up.
0: Yeah, making it a three-score uh, game is great I strategy. I
2: not say that they were justified in the reaction. I'm saying that they would
1: have I know, I just don't that think, reaction. I don't think that would have been the case.
3: Yeah, I, I I don't know. In Ohio State's circumstance, I don't think they would have any standing uh to you know to make such a claim since I've seen them do similar things. And and so I don't know if Ohio State fans would have said a peep about it. Interestingly enough, on the Ohio State fans, you know, their coaches won 90% of his games. And there are people out there calling for him to be fired. No, not anymore. They they immediately
2: turned, the second they got in the playoffs, they're like, ah, Michigan was lucky. We're going to go
3: kill them. They don't
2: want the smoke. (laughs) Yeah,
3: that's right. But post-game, at least, you know, there was a lot of angst about a 90% winning coach. Seemed a little over the top. Uh, so he's he's lost five games since he's been there. What's the
2: only thing that matters to Ohio State? Beating Michigan. What was his one mission this year after getting hammered last Um, year is to go beat Michigan. What happens instead? He loses by six more points at home. And, like, you know, going through that game, I just finally finished the UFR this week of that game, and there were a lot of times when Michigan could have gotten more turnovers. There were a lot of times when Michigan could have, uh, on the other side of the ball, broken them uh, early. So, I mean, they could have the losing by uh, three scores and change was actually on the less likely, end, like you know, the, the the more Ohio State end. They could have lost by four or five scores in that game.
3: Yeah, no, it, it there certainly there was a lot of frustration by their fan base, but it's it seemed like going after a coach who'd won 90% of his games was eh, felt a little misplaced. You knew
0: exactly, as soon as they lost that game, you knew exactly what they were going to do. Yeah, they probably probably And so. if they get smoked by Georgia, or if they beat Georgia lose to Michigan in a championship game, the conversation will return. This is a respite from their conversation. It's not uh, gone. It's a four-week respite yeah. spared by uh, Utah beating USC, basically.
3: Yeah. The, uh, I mean, uh, do you see Ohio State having any play against uh Georgia? I mean, handled they get guys... manhandled
0: by Michigan? Isn't Georgia like Michigan, but maybe better?
3: I mean, like, yeah, Georgia beat up on us last year. There was no I question. I can't imagine that. But yeah, I can't imagine that. I mean,
2: chance. you you go to the playoffs and you have a quarterback and a receiver, you can win a game. That's that that's been true for years. Like. Georgia that's the one thing they, they've got a great cornerback
0: and we are back here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTK the ticket online at WTK.com myself Ira Watcher, filling in for Sam he is out of town he's got the family uh, thing going on today and then the entire show is going to be off tomorrow so this is our Thursday Friday edition of the Michigan Insider here on Sports Talk 1050 WTK the ticket I'm joined by Seth Brian and Craig from the MGO blog roundtable and we've talked a ton about Michigan and obviously getting to the playoff we'll preview the playoff over the next couple of weeks the Michigan matchup with TCU and also the the Georgia matchup with Ohio State. But also, I want to ask you guys, as the news is fresh, Big Ten West has two new coaches and a third one coming. It seems like with the two new coaches that they have a dramatic improvement in the level of coaching on the West uh, in the Big Ten, just with the, uh, in the bringing in of Luke Fickle to Wisconsin and the bringing in Matt Rule to Nebraska. What do you think, Craig?
3: Oh uh, No, I think those are good choices. I mean, uh, I, I I have to admit, uh as someone else said maybe seth that i thought scott frost would work out at nebraska eventually and uh boy i was wrong about that one so uh but it seems like rule is a good coach it seems like he could work out fine at nebraska uh you know fickle has proven at cincinnati he can he can create a program and 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 make it go. I think there'll be major changes at Wisconsin. They brought the UNC uh, OC in, and so that program is going to look very different. My my friend in Madison, Badger Ken, says fans are very excited about the change, even if they're somewhat melancholy and sad about about losing uh, Leonard. I think that reflects Alvarez's uh, perhaps. Tightness to Jim Leonard. Where Leonard will go, I have no idea. He's not staying at Wisconsin, obviously, and he's um, maybe he'll end up at Purdue. I don't know. There's been some speculation about that.
2: I mean, I thought the best, the best coach in the Big Ten West, I thought was was Brom. So you know, me they, too. They they just lost the the top, even though they're bringing in some some new guys. I think Rule can be successful because he he actually knows how to recruit Texas, which was the trick when Nebraska <laughs> was good. What Nebraska would yeah. do, would do would be like okay you know th- we're gonna go and get players out of Texas that don't you know don't necessarily want to go to Texas or can't get into Texas and then they just had an amazing high school system all around the Midwest that no one else had access to basically the same way that Wisconsin has been able to to keep their thing going um, but Nebraska's just dried up there's not a whole lot of talent that comes out of there they used to be like walk on you and I th- I thought Scott Frost would know. What the secret sauce is for Nebraska? Because they, the one thing they have, and the one thing that's going to keep Nebraska on top, or at least like you know, not they're not going to slip down to be a three-nine program every year, is their fan base. That fan base isn't going away, and when you have that kind of group of people, you can, you can just fill that stadium every year and every game, and like you know, that's that's what draws people there. Lincoln, Nebraska doesn't draw anybody there. Bill McCartney used to say that you know the, only, the way he would recruit Nebraska against Nebraska is when he was at Colorado, the way I'd recruit against Nebraska is I'd let them go visit there first, and then I'd bring them to Colorado and say, like, so where do you want to live? Um, but, like, they have a great fan base, and, and Rule's a good coach, and I think he could have success there. I don't think the – um, I think we maybe overstated all year how bad the Big Ten West was. That Like, the Big Ten West was kind of, like, mediocre, not, like – Records level okay it's like Illinois was a good team this year and we were all kind of like wondering okay is that just an effect of playing bad quarterbacks out there they did have a lot of bad quarterbacks in the Big Ten West but Illinois is legit right and I thought Purdue like Aiden O'Connell played out of his mind they are a you know a pretty decent eight and four team Minnesota was a pretty decent version of themselves so what do you got to fix you got to fix Nebraska they're going way under their uh, their normal level and Wisconsin recently fell down you get those two programs back up again i think every the big 10 west is back to being basically what the big 10 west was
3: yeah th- th- I, that's that seems reasonable what about uh sanders going to uh what about sanders going to uh uh colorado uh-huh. yeah yeah i mean does that feel like a good fit does that feel like it's 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 plausible
1: I mean, you already got a commit from a top 10 kid in the 2024 class. I mean, is that right? if you're Colorado, there's no reason not to swing for the fences. And, you know, there were one like period of, of history where they were actually pretty good. They were getting a ton of guys out of L.A. And I don't really know if there is any way to get guys out of L.A. that isn't Deion Sanders. I mean, Colorado as a school has a lot to offer. It's in a beautiful area. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, Certainly makes Colorado interesting, and that's not something they've been for a long time.
0: Yeah. All right. I do. We have about uh, about nine ten minutes left here. I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Michigan basketball as we're heading into Big Ten play tonight against Minnesota, and also Michigan hockey with the way the recruiting's going. I'm Craig. I'm sure you have a ton of thoughts on Michigan basketball, but the big news is that yeah. they announced Jalen Wellen is out for the year with the ACL injury, and the backcourt just got that much thinner.
3: Yeah. It's. You know, it's it's difficult to put it politely right now. They came into the season with three real guards uh, because uh, Frankie left, and and so they end up with three guards. Uh, and probably, in and of itself, that you know that was hard to see how it was going to work out. And now they've got two guards. It isn't clear whether Kobe can actually play the point. Um, he I asked him that actually a year ago at, at, at media day. And he said, yeah, he was recruited as both a one and a two and he thought he could play the point. So we'll see. Uh, probably that's, there's going to be some necessity of that. I don't know who on this roster can actually slide down and play, play a two. Isaiah it, Barnes. Yeah, maybe, but you know, that's one of, that's probably the only choice, but I'm not, convinced that's really going to work very well and whether he can play defense at the two yeah he can or, you he think can he, play, can? he can he can play defense
1: at the two better than anyone on the roster probably like what we've seen from him mm-hmm. in very brief stretches is that he has the athletic ability to to defend twos and you know he came in and there were like some some talk about his work ethic and his ability to mm-hmm. like, process information or just remember what he was supposed to be doing on the court but physically athletically. He's he's got to be someone takes a extended look at. So I think you got to move Kobe to the point because Doug McDaniel is virtually unplayable right now, um, <clears throat> and you're going to look at a lot more Joey Baker and a lot more Isaiah Barnes.
3: Uh, I don't, you know, I don't think that's what it'll look like tonight. My guess is tonight you'll see Doug at the point and getting the majority of minutes at the point, and Kobe at the two. But obviously, you're going to see Kobe. Some, Michigan has to probably play him at the point some. Now, if if you're right, Brian, and you might be, that uh, Isaiah can play over at the uh, two, then maybe this isn't so bad. It's certainly the fact that uh, uh, Jalen hasn't shot the ball particularly well. In fact, our backcourt has been a disaster at shooting the three. Uh, if you look at Michigan's numbers, we're about average shooting the three, but I think the three primary backcourt guys are right around 20%. It's only because Jed has shot it well and other guys have shot it. Okay. But they're getting nothing out of the backcourt in terms of shooting the three. So may, and maybe this will, we, you know, maybe this will work out, but. It's not, it doesn't seem like it's something that the staff has experimented with at all to this point in time. And so, I don't know. I hope you're right. If you are, great. It'll, you know, they'll, they'll move on. The whole question is how good of a team is this going to be any event right now on the Ken Palm data and that Ken Palm data is getting to the point where it isn't, uh, you know, frivolous is has Michigan, at, I think, number 11 in in the big 10 of the 14 teams and now they're not that far away from number seven eight nine and ten but for sure the the numbers don't look great so far i mean we don't turn the ball over i think we're number two in the country in uh, in turnover rate which is phenomenal but other things aren't so good particularly defensive rebounding not so good um and and overall defense, I think they're number eighty nine on the Ken Palm stats, which of course isn't good either.
2: Yeah. I so mean, if you could turn Barnes yeah. into a three and D guy, this is. The, I mean, we're we're talking about survival mm-hmm. now because yeah, the, I the, agree. the real problem was they they needed another guard. They went and got another guard, and well, and then they lost. They
1: needed. Right they team. needed Terrence Shannon. Yeah. Is what. They needed. Yeah, that's and a then, really good point. I and mean, then Michigan's asinine transfer policy prevented them from getting Terrence Shannon. So uh,
3: like. Yeah. especially in Terrence Shannon's case what my my understanding was two courses short of graduating they had the whole
2: thing where he was going to like finish up his courses over yeah. the summer and then and then come to Michigan and then Illinois just like look we can give you <laughs> you can just get in do you want to like skip that part and he's like, sure. Cause he was like sure cuz he was I think he was like you know I had to take at least a couple of summer courses the but the the, the the reality is the reality now right like it sucks that they didn't get Terrence Shannon. Sucks that they that Frankie left when there was absolutely a role for him, even with Jalen Llewellyn on this team.
1: I just, and, I mean, that was just inexplicable to me because it's like we got three guards on the roster
2: and yeah. we're bringing yeah. in
1: an Ivy League guy, and it's like you're, you think Jalen Weldon is gonna displace you? I just, I mean, I guess that guy. Or you
3: think uh, Doug is gonna displace you?
1: Yeah, I was, yeah. I was just like, what? I, I don't. I don't get it like that's a very like old band yells at cloud at me but I was really hyped up about Frankie Mm -hmm. and losing him is I think a major reason that this program is currently scuffling because we had a four-year point guard and Derek Walton we had a four-year point guard and Xavier Simpson and those went really well, and now we just have this parade of, this guy's here for one year, this guy's here for one year, this guy's here for one year, and you see it every season where Michigan enters the season, and they look like garbage <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because their point guard is acclimating to the team, and it just it just feels like they're going to be stuck on this cycle because they're going to have a new point guard next year. I mean, ma- I mean, maybe. Maybe it'll be Doug. I don't know, but it's, they're going to have to bring in somebody, and it just feels like you know, the treadmill that Michigan is on with these transfer po- uh, point guards is something that I would really like to see stop.
0: All right. In the and last few minutes here, uh, Brian, let's will put a bigger smile on your face. It seems like Michigan is killing it in recruiting and hockey right now. How many stars yeah. did I just see p- get picked up?
1: Uh, well, there's three 2006s that they've picked up that are five stars to puck preps. Most recent is Christian Epperson, who's on the U-17 team and was at Shattuck where he put up 100 points last year. They have Aiden Park, who's basically the same guy. These guys are all forwards. They're all super hyped. And for Narado to be able to come through and pull these guys in after recruiting collapsed under um, Mel Pearson, because his word got out in hockey circles that Mel Pearson was Mel Pearson. (laughs) And like for Narada to be able to bounce back like this, even with an interim tag on him and get these guys in, you know, I don't think he's going to be, have an interim tag on him very, very long.
3: Yeah. It is time. It is, or it's close to time, isn't it? Uh, for him to, to be named a uh, non-interim or however. Well,
1: you know, I think if they're recruiting like this, I guess the urgency to do it is not high, but, um, yeah, I mean they they had a kind of a rough weekend against Wisconsin, but other than that, they've been playing very well. Aside for that Minnesota series, but half the team was out, yeah, in, including you know the best player in college hockey. So, you know, I feel like in general they've been playing approximately to expectations. They're a very young team; they are going to make a bunch of mistakes, and so it feels more like you know two years ago when all those top five picks were freshmen and not one year ago when they were sophomores and they were the one number one overall seed and that's that's about what you'd expect and they they're playing very well on the power play they're they're organized when they try to get in the zone they're a little bit overwhelmed physically by some teams but you know they got crushed by penn state and they bounce back and they win that game the next next uh next day so you know i feel like they're at a point where yeah it's it's about time
0: all right, guys, appreciate your time as always. We're gonna end it there on the Bright Note Michigan hockey recruiting is killing it. And of course, next week when you guys come back, we'll be talking more about the matchup with TCU and the playoff. we'll be kind of recapping the first half of the Michigan hockey season and we'll set the stage for uh, more Michigan basketball as well. Thanks to Craig, Seth, and Brian for joining me here in the show. Thanks to Miz for joining me here. As it was Sam's day off, he's doing some family things. It'll be everybody's day off tomorrow. No Michigan insider tomorrow. We will be back on the air on Monday. So stay tuned for that here on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050 WTKA, Ann Arbor, Accumula Station.
2: Yeah, hey it. Craig, it's yeah, Rob, sorry. Answer, says- <laughs>
1: an- answer your phone, Craig. Mom, I'm on the internet. Call back later. <laughs> oh. <laughs>